Good afternoon and welcome to After the Gig. My name is Jesse Humphrey. It is February 16th, 2021. Just want to tell you a couple of things before we dive in. There is new merchandising in the merch store. So go to jessehumphrey.com and then click on the merch button. It'll take you over there. Check out the new stuff. New tea. New rock and roll is hard tea. New hard trier tea, which is designed by Mr. John Markle. And a couple other cool things. So go grab yourself something. Tomorrow night, I will be live streaming on Facebook. Come join me for that at 8 p.m. Eastern Time over on Facebook. Today on the show, I have my really, really good buddy, Adam Pod. Adam has been the piano player in Dan Mills' band since Dan has had a band. Adam is an incredible pianist, incredible musician, and just all around. Like He's one of those dudes that just gets music in and out. Some have called him the future of music. Always someone that you want in the room playing with you. He's the troubleshooter, the problem solver, having an issue. He already knows the answer before you have the question. Over the course of the pandemic, Adam and his brother Matt have created arrangements as well as audio templates for people all over the world to benefit from online musical collaboration. While doing this, they've created their own publishing company and their arrangements can be perused and purchased through the world-famous sheet music distributor, J.W. Pepper. That is a mouthful. They are also two-thirds of the group Mimi and the Pod Brothers, which will be the featured music at the end of this episode. It was really, really great to talk about a bunch of different topics. We kind of get off on a couple of tangents in this episode. It was really a pleasure to listen back to it. But that's enough out of me. Let's get to this episode. Please, without further ado, enjoy this episode with my buddy, Adam Pod. idea of together of physical togetherness is getting so abstract (laughs) like it used to feel like i could remember it and miss it and now it feels like this foggy um actually i was watching a youtube video of my choir from church of me conducting because they're using it in the church service today and i was like in theory i missed this before and now like but i hadn't actually seen like a video like version of it or something i was watching i was like Oh my God. Like I sort of didn't even real remember what it was like until I was, you know, it was, it was such a distant thought that when I started watching it, it's been like, a long time. I was like, Holy cow. That feels like eons ago. It's been a really long time. I don't, yeah. I don't think people realize how long it's actually been. Do you, do you think it just feels that way for people that follow the rules? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's mostly. plenty of people out there that are just like, uh, you know, I don't care. Do you see your family? No, I basically, well, I see my brother who lives in my building. Um, and that's basically it. Really? <laughs> yeah. You guys are, where are you guys moving? Uh, down the street. Why don't you guys get out of the city, move to Providence or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hadn't ever considered leaving the city until just now when you said that. And really, that's pretty good. I think yeah? we'll do it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was easy. I miss, I miss living in Boston a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do. except that like, <laughs> there's nothing to miss right now. Probably. There's nothing to miss right now, except for, yeah. I mean, my, my biggest thing is just like 
friends and also getting called for gigs. As soon as I moved to Providence, which is like almost less than an hour away, I don't exist anymore. I know. <laughs> it's which, true. Like I, I feel, I mean, I hire musicians a lot as part of my sort of music directory jobs and it's inevitable to like, not like forget about people who leave, but you sort of don't, I mean, I'm not hiring people for these huge cushy gigs. I'm hiring people for like little things, bar gigs here, or maybe a little right. music theater thing or a church gig or something. And there's like a protective part of me that doesn't want to trouble somebody like, like, you know, that wants that I try to protect their time for them. I'm like, they probably don't want to drive in here for a hundred bucks. And like, often of course like they would be happy to and they miss playing or whatever but yeah. i feel like that's easier for that person who's right around the corner and it's like it's hard to actually divorce yourself from comparing two people who don't actually they don't need to be compared they're they're living two separate lives and if one of them's perfectly willing to do it and so is the other one it doesn't like doesn't matter who it's going to be easier for right you don't have to make deliver. the drive right i don't have to make it and i don't have to like apologize to them for having to make it (laughs) right here's the circumstances do you want the thing or not like it's fine like they they're obviously adults who can make their own decisions i mean i would drive i would drive to local 269 like almost (laughs) what was it every thursday from it was like every week i think yeah it was every thursday and i would come down from from boston or from rhode island wherever i was at the time and play for four hour jaunt for a play for for no money yep (laughs) It was for the it was for the love of the game, and and a lot of beer, and a lot of beer. I remember. Uh, I think I told the story on the podcast uh, was last week or a couple weeks ago. We were talking about like really shitty commutes to to gigs mm. and uh, bad weather because I had just driven from from Rhode Island to Virginia, and I had been I've been doing that drive pretty much since the pandemic started. And, uh, you know, I hadn't, hadn't flown and it's usually a, it's a quick flight. It's like an hour and a half. I fly so much that I have, I have status with Delta. So I usually get upgraded to first class. So I have a first class seat, an hour and a half flight. I take my Dramamine and I fall asleep and then it's, and I get picked up at the airport. It was pretty sweet. But now since March, I have had to drive the whole time so it's been it's been literally the polar opposite of a situation i have to get in the truck at like four in the morning and drive eight and a half sometimes nine hours and be focused (laughs) and drive. yeah exactly and then drive through like some of the biggest cities in the in the country like drive through new york drive Mm -hmm. through uh philly drive through you know you're kind of going through baltimore you're going through dc is the worst and then it's like two more hours after dc so and then like you probably have to like sort of be a person when you get there you're not just that's not like you're done yes (laughs) like like you've now you get to begin now you have to now you have to go to work and then i'm like my back hurt my back hurts and then <laughs> just testing the mic. My back. Yeah, it's good. You got a good level. Good. So it's hard. It's like you know. And I recently, recently, recently had to do that driving to Annapolis, going in in a in that snowstorm that we had. Mm-hmm. So that sucked. And then I recalled the story about how I drove to local two six nine in a snowstorm with my dad and brother, and I was trying to remember why my brother came. Um, but in my like shitty car in the middle of a snowstorm, there was so much snow on the street. It was like, 
you know, I could have easily gotten stuck. But then I forgot I didn't I didn't go to the right address. I went to like I went to Housen Street in like Staten Island or something. It was oh my god. It was <laughs> terrible. And I remember being so late. I walked in and there was like you guys, one other person, and the dog were there. Yep. Oh so, yeah, that dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I think I remember that night. I think that's the night that we followed or that we were walking around and that guy from the mask came in and was, I don't, was it that night? No, I don't think it was that night. Cause, cause we were walking around and I remember that particular night because I, something happened to like my shirt something always fucking weird happened to me whenever I played that gig with you guys, <laughs> like something happened to my shirt. I had like this, I don't know. And, and we went to American apparel down the street and I got a shirt that like was way too tight. And I look back at a picture and it looked terrible anyway <laughs> bad fashion sense those are terrible trips yep. those are really bad trips for no money and you should always call and make the person make the decision and you don't make the decision for them yep all right lesson learned lesson learned so i got a gig for you if you want it next week it's here okay um it's just kind of hanging out with oliver for a couple of hours but and the pay sucks Okay. But I didn't want to take, I didn't want to deny you the opportunity if you wanted it. Right. Um, I, I'm going to pass, but okay. mm-hmm. I, uh, well, I'll remember that next time I have a big fancy drum gig, but yeah, that's fine. And that's how it works guys. <laughs> never work in this town again. <laughs> You'll never work in this town again. You said no one time because of a completely reasonable reason. <laughs> well, crazy. What are you working on right now? I see you guys doing a bunch of, uh, You've been doing a bunch of stuff with your brother. So how yeah. are you going to be able to live with your brother? Is that is that like is that <laughs> an option for you? We've been putting it to the test pretty hardcore like since the pandemic. I mean, we eat I mean, we have separate apartments now and that's what that's what we would be moving into also. It's not like, oh, we have like I'm in the living room and he's there. It's like they have their upstairs floor like it, it would be good for like you could this is, you know, laid out for like two different renters. It's not just like for a family right. with enough bedrooms. So we've basically been putting that model to the test for quite a while now. Cause we're in the same building. And since the pandemic, we basically hang out at some point every day. Cause the kids, you know, that's the only way they play with other kids is with each other. Right. And we eat dinner together like five nights a week. Like it's just full on over here. So yeah, yeah I think it'll work. It'll like, there's obviously it comes with its, you know, it's i wouldn't say challenges it's not like a major confrontational type of challenge but it's like okay like it would be nice to see some other people but that feels more pandemic related than living near him related (laughs) like i miss anyone else everybody's Um, different like everyone needs their own space but you guys do do like such similar things it's true we have a lot of overlap like professionally and personally you know have the the same family so it's like when we're trying to visit family or someone's coming to visit us it'll it'll make that stuff kind of nice um but yeah uh, we've been doing a lot of work together you know we were sort of put our heads together when the pandemic stuff happened and the music world was completely like vanished and it was like all right we don't have any gigs and like what are we going to do and him and i both arrange a lot of choir music for specific choirs basically like the choirs that we're directing and just kind of as a means of directing the choir it's just like what we both like about being in front of a choir is them singing something that you sort of put together in your head or whatever. It's not just like, I love conducting. Mm. It's like, I like put the music together and then like, see it come to life with this group of people. Um, 
And so we've been doing that for years as like choir directors and music directors of various you know, organizations and projects. And we've been kicking around this idea forever. Like, wouldn't it be nice if all the f- work that went into like arranging the music ever was saw the light of day again after this one choir sang it this one time? Right. Basically, you know, like publishing these arrangements so that some they could have like a life other than like the once or maybe once a year that this choir that I happen to be in charge of, you know, gets it put in front of them. And so we were, you know, with the time and space carved out, thanks to COVID, we were like, all right, what would this look like to like actually do some more self-publishing, whatever. And then as a uh, kind of a experiment, we were like, people are doing all these virtual choirs, like started popping up like weeds, like every group is trying to make a virtual performance so they can maintain some feeling of togetherness or community or musical you know whatever they were used to doing that just got you know kind of pulled out from under them and a lot of the teachers you know they have to they have to go back to work somehow you know they have to do something and some of their administrators are more reasonable than others some of them are just like whatever you need to do like it's like kind of it's sort of like a free for all, like try to be effective as a teacher. And that's the right. direction they're getting. And some are like, I need a perform. I still need a Christmas concert and um, make it happen. You know, <laughs> like people, and they have like some principal has no idea what that would even mean in like right. a virtual setting. So we set out to like, basically do like make something that would make it possible for groups to make their own virtual choirs that didn't have like the most savvy, uh, person at the helm like I made a bunch of virtual choir stuff for like my church and my my church choir that I direct and my you know some some other groups that I happen to be involved with but I went to school for audio production and right you know what I'm you're an, doing and I'm the arranger and like I understand technology generally like just as far as like getting a you know putting pdfs in people's inboxes and giving them directions on how to plug their headphones into one thing and record themselves with another thing like right that all came really easily to me because of my specific skill set but then i think about some you know get some music teacher who's been doing things effectively without technology for decades and now suddenly they have to like produce a virtual concert it's like the most in unreasonable ask. it's insane <laughs> yeah it's insane um so we basically made these kits that like that are like you know, you know, to boil it down, long story short, it's like a score and the guide tracks that you would listen to while you're recording and like directions for how to like clap at a certain point to sync up for the video editor later. All the stuff that like you would have to think of as the director is sort of packaged and then the in like one sort of thing that you shove in front of all your singers faces like here's your thing like send me back the video. Right. Um, and Oh, so you make you make basically a, a checklist you make a checklist and then give them the music them all the directions that they need it's like all right all you need to do is put push record and do these things and then we're good right and so then the singers basically don't need any more instructions than that then there's like another set of instructions for the director that's like once you get all the videos from your singer like here's what you'll need to do next and if you're editing the video yourself like here's a tutorial on how to do that with this program and if you're not like here's what you'll here's the assets you'll need to send to a to a professional editor and it's just like step by step go through this and you're not trying to like remember what you have to remember it's just kind of go from beginning to end and you can do a virtual choir without having known how to do it beforehand or feeling like you're reinventing the wheel like or the you know trying to come up with a workflow that could make sense for you it's like here's one that will work for everyone and then people who are super savvy use some of those materials and some of their own stuff and some people can just take it from beginning to end and they made their first you know thing so we started with like christmas carols and just like who wants to go virtual caroling with their groups this year and use that as kind of our 
testing grounds and it went really well we got emails back from people being like you know i'm a 70 year old conductor who's never even like opened up a program on my computer for music before i just have binders of sheet music like whatever and i bought your thing and and they they send us and they're like and i edited my own video and like i'm so proud of and my group is you know this is the first time we sing together in a year and they send us a video and you know it's like amazing i was like i can't i mean i knew it would work on some level for some people but it sort of went beyond my expectations as far as how well it actually how much it actually did for people who were otherwise like pretty like hopeless or overwhelmed as far as like how to begin so right we just yeah a bunch more and then they can and then starting from that you know base level they can they can take it to wherever they want to go they'll learn a lot from just those just those like foundational elements of putting together a a video or any kind of production you can take that and then learn a ton from it and then go oh, yeah. go and the right, the right kinds of people who are interested in expanding more will definitely yeah. pick up some of the steps along the way like what was involved here with all the hand holding and if you didn't have all the hand holding like what kind of stuff can you actually make on your own right um right but yeah so we did those christmas ones and then we just this week we put out like six new arrangements of like sort of more like year-round spring friendly and um you know just more general use stuff for people who need to keep those virtual choirs coming for the next who knows how many months are you guys publishing these yourselves or are you working with a publisher yeah we are basically like we formed ourselves as a publisher so right um the publishing is really like through our website we just like have since it's a digital product it was really easy to sell ourselves right but we also have um struck up a relationship through this with a this distributor who's like the biggest distributor of choral music in the world it's like where every choir director goes online to like peruse like what choral music is out there for my next thing really they go to this one website and they search through the spring stuff they search through the easter music they search through the christmas music and you can like sort of view and listen to everything like you know all the perusal preview materials are all what can my choir handle (laughs) right and yeah and it's all categorized by searchable things and whatever and so there's this i mean it's like a monster like you know who is collection of everything it's it's called jw pepper and it's been around for 100 million years um and that's like where when i i mean i still like when i need to buy a piece of sheet music that's i go on there i listen to it i can look preview the score um so anyway we got we got a meeting with their like choral people when we started this idea when we basically had it like 90 percent done enough to show somebody we were like what do you guys think of this and they were like uh how soon can you have it ready like we'd like <laughs> yeah. to push this out immediately this is like exactly what people need and so we figured it all out put it together made ourselves a publishing company so now it's basically available on our website and their website and uh, we are just like a vendor now, like a published vendor, publishing company vendor on this monster website. And now in normal times, if we want to just release a piece of regular old sheet music, like a piece of choir music, we can just do it through <laughs> your, you know, through yeah. our thing and through theirs. Like we're, we're just like an approved vendor. They don't have to, we don't have to run every piece by them. Now it's like, is this good enough for you? Like they're just a distributor. They're, they're happy to, once they have their people who are supplying the actual product like they're just kind of like yeah what put it on the shelf see if people buy it you know how quickly can you guys like write out an arrangement like that i mean it seems it just seems like you guys can do it pretty fast well the writing it out like the notation stuff is definitely 
the fastest part. It's everything else that becomes like, oh my God, I can't believe there are so many steps to this. Like when you go to lay it out, like for the virtual stuff, for the virtual kits, especially where it's like, everything needs a guide track. Like that's the, like this thing is like, click this link and you're hearing just the accompaniment and the tenor. And we like hire a professional singer to sing the tenor part. And so it's like putting all those pieces together, like the recordings of the guide tracks, which also serve as the demo that you're listening to, to see if you even like the piece. Um, and so it's like a bunch of like stems and all those things are, are, and arranging the music, you know, that's a the lot. Accompaniment. Yeah. C- creating the accompaniment <laughs> track. Like some of them are full orchestral accompaniments done with like sample libraries and stuff, but it's like brass and strings and everything is like recorded in and like mixed and all that kind of stuff. That stuff takes so much longer than the, you know, here's the SATB choral parts written out for some choir. Like you could do that part in an afternoon. But do you have to do you have to worry about copyright stuff or anything or is it be, is it a new thing because because um, it's like your own arrangement or you do have to worry about copyright if you're doing music that's not in the public domain but we are doing all public domain stuff for gotcha. that reason gotcha and with the Christmas stuff it was the easiest thing in the world it's like Christmas carols they're all in the public domain they're all in the public domain right I mean virtually as far as like oh, not not like winter wonderland but like joy to the world and hark the herald and silent night or anything that's you know basically published before 1924 is fair game um for the like the next like more general use year-round stuff we were like searching for any music anyone would care about that was not copyright you know protected um so obviously classical stuff is good to draw on but then if you're looking for like a popular song that anyone's even heard before there are so few that are in that category when you guys are recording the stuff, do you guys, um, so you hire separate people, but is everyone, you try to find people that can record pretty easily in their homes? Exactly. It's like all okay. people who are, have like a setup, like what you're in front of right now and they right. bring up their score, they throw their, they kind of record and edit their own vocals and they send us back a stem. It's like ready to drop into a mix basically great it's like all right here that that's gonna work right it's not like here's like a, i did a bunch of passes and like they like edit and it's like here's the tenor part boop and then yeah you know it's the soprano part does one take of the soprano for and i mean each one of these pieces is arranged for like satb choir and also sab choir and two part and like you know two part like children's choir like we have like four versions of each one and so it's not just like taking the parts away. It's like the SA, like the two part version is a different alto part than the SATB version. And so, so just a lot of people know it's, to base, do. it's soprano alto, alto tenor bass. That's what you're saying. Yes. SATB is soprano alto tenor bass. Great. Um, and then, but, but then like, you know, when we, the different versions is not just like fewer of the same parts, it's like the parts get adjusted. And so then each singer has to do like three or four versions of each song and then send us those stems and we mix them together on, you know, for for each you know different voicing um so it becomes like a lot of sending assets back and forth between so they basically they have to be edited or else it would be such a nightmare because then you're like all right i got like six passes of this version and three of those and i gotta edit that yeah. one and because then you're going it all. comping tracks and that that i yep. mean that that would triple the time it would take it's like <laughs> just going through and being like why did they even send me this bullshit track <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just fix it <laughs> and we we have this amazing like group of singers who's who are like super recording savvy they record they're like a jazz vocal group basically that does like all their own recording anyway so they're like yep I, the accent do do something it's actually friends of accent it's this is group it called it's most of a group called the highline highline jazz oh yeah 
Yeah, Evan's talked um, about them. Yeah, and so like when I we put it up, I think even Evan was like, I think I spy Jared in the corner there. <laughs> like they're all like you know <laughs> vocal jazz nerd buddies. Oh yeah, bunch great. of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, I miss singing choral music so much. That was one of my favorite things to do. Like in high school, we had we had an awesome choir. We had an awesome choir director, Philip Ferrone, and uh, Dan was in the choir. There was a lot of people that you would not expect to be in the choir in the choir. Like we had baseball players and football players in the choir, which was, which was great. It was awesome. It's a huge it was, testament to whoever your director was. Yeah, it was, but he made it fun to be there. Like yep. he would joke around, he would, he would throw people out of class, like go to refer, like he would kick people out of class. And then the next day they'd be hanging out in his office, just like having a good time, like yep. talking about music and talking about different things. And like, it was just such a great, it was always such a fun place to be. And that was, I think it was, you know, home base for, for a lot of people in high school that wouldn't have normally had a, a group or a crew to like hang out with, you know? Well, just as far as like an environment for like having fun and like being in a, like there's not a, I mean, this by comparison in high school, especially, but just sort of in general, you can just kind of picture like the energy in like a, a room where a bunch of people are making music together. It's obviously structured very differently from like a band practice for right. like, you know, a band that you'd be playing in. I don't mean like high school band, but you know, when you go to a rehe- band rehearsal now, like for carbon leaf or something, there's obviously like something fun about just getting in the room and ma- making music together. Right. And the environment is like a breeding ground for like fun and shenanigans and like right. just sort of like, you know, do, being sort of messing with each other and like having having good time and laughing a lot and so in in high school compared to like most of your classes and you go show up to choir and like even when you're being productive it's so much of a different it's like a different wavelength that everyone's on compared to the rest of your day yep that it's it's like that's where every that's where all of you know my friends of course like surprising nobody were all like my choir and band friends in high school but it was not just because we were like-minded it's because we i mean i think it's also just because the kinds of interactions we were able to have during the day were like so much like deeper and more like fun-filled than whoever you're in your spanish class with or whatever you get to actually just sort of like get to this like kind of weird level with them where you're you know you have a million inside jokes after after a week of class instead yep. of just like listening to the teacher and trying not to get not to talk too much so that you get yelled at we would have um we would have choir before school actually started so it was it was pretty early in the morning which sucks it sucks for singing yeah. but yeah. as far as sucks for just like being awake yeah it's so crazy how early you get up as a kid it's nuts <laughs> It's bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we would start the day. It, it would be on such a high note. Um, you know, pun not intended. But, like, you, you, would, just, you would just have this great base uh, to your day, this great foundation to your day. And then you would go to class. And, and then there would be so, – and this is just how it was set up in my high school. But then I would have a whole other, like, band period or – choir period or a music theory class or something like that where i get to go back to the fun place you mm-hmm. know and it's just um right, you get like a little dose of it 
and right. it drives us you for a bunch of crap you don't care as much about yeah <laughs> you get to come back and get refueled yeah and after school if if i had a bunch of time between school and like baseball practice or between when i was going to go home or whatever i would go to the, the band room or the choir room and just mess around on a drum oh, kit yeah. or it's like totally the hang yeah well, also just think about like space like space wise and logistically like that's where you could hang out people hang out like on the stage or on the risers or whatever oh yeah like, yeah really like there was so much going for it as a as a, like as i said before like an environment to like hang out and have fun because a it's not just like a room with like 12 desks in it like right. it's a room where people can kind of mill around and you can kind of end up in the over in this like down this sort of big you know you have enough room to spread out and like kind right. of like have it ha, go down in the down the hallway with like two of your friends and not be like not, it's not private but it's like there was just more room to like sort of spread out and do kind of whatever you needed to and uh and all be sort of together when you wanted to come together and um, just to sort of make sense as a sort of flow wise, like feng shui wise that you would be like, right. Wanting to go back there instead of hang out in a classroom. It was the best. Yep. I, and uh, it's something I don't think about very often, just how, how fun it actually was and how like, you know, yeah, it was just great. It was band, band and choir were the best. So are you guys trying to move forward? Obviously you're going to do more stuff with the, the publishing and, and all that, but how deep into this are you going to get like are you trying have you guys been working with you know because there's like the broad with the musical stuff that you guys are connected with and like where is this all going i think most of the publishing stuff efforts that we're going i mean most of the stuff we've done has been like geared toward this like pandemic music making virtual stuff most of the stuff we've done and like tried to sell basically like actually published and posted for you know public consumption mm -hmm. has been like this virtual choir like branded thing um but obviously with at the center of that is matt and adam pod are arrangers like our cor have our choral music you know lovers and arrangers that like like putting the stuff together they do it a lot and they do it at a high level and so i think probably the next leg of this is like i mean hopefully it's just not more virtual stuff it's more like stuff for right like kind of like more like run-of-the-mill choral music doing it in but, person um all right well doing it in person obviously we won't be there for the people doing it in person but se selling music for people to do that like right kind of like conforming to a way more normal and <laughs> unfortunately saturated market of like you know a choral anthem like all right i've acquired 60 people i didn't want to buy a piece for them to sing in their next concert and like providing music that people can buy from us for those sort of normal purposes well the cool thing that about it that i don't think will go away is the fact that now with something like that someone in california or someone in italy or whatever can can collaborate with somebody on the east coast or or you know or wherever so even if you even if it is going to be used more in a traditional form in choirs and schools or or whatever you can still you still have the aspect of more professional people or at more of a high level or just out of you know say they're just out of high school but they love choir and they want to collaborate th with their friends that moved away to college they can still they can still do that kind of thing and have a really good way to do it yeah the remote collaboration thing obviously like everyone learned it yeah that's not go that's not going it. away it's not going it's anywhere. not i am curious and genuinely curious about like the virtual choir thing specifically if it's going to just be like once people don't have to do that anymore if it's going to be like 
let's at least take a break from this virtual crap version of this for a few months before we do like let's just get in a room and hear some overtones of each other and with each other like that's and and then maybe like it'll come you know creeping back in like actually there was something useful about this too you know think of it but i'm i kind of feel like i mean if it's if it's for me and you know it will be me i still will be in charge of directing a choir once we're allowed to do that again it'll be like let's not do anything virtual ever again until we feel like it because it was so by necessity before which was like novel and then not and then it was like you know there was like this triumphant version of it at the beginning where like the human spirit and we can still make music together like technically even though it doesn't really feel like that during um i think once that's not the only way to do it people are gonna be like great can we just do this the old way like it's gonna feel so good and then that's I'm totally curious true. if it'll if it'll come back as like a this is also useful for you know for sometimes um even when you don't need to be yeah. uh because of health reasons like there's actually a usefulness here that now that we've all learned it we might as well make use of it I think it would be great so. use for like say a summer a summer band or a summer choir project or something where students you know to to make things not atrophy you know for the for the regular mm-hmm. season or for when they're doing concerts or whatever they can do a summer project summer virtual project that is really helpful as far as you know making sure things are still still working the right way and also to do a fun project and then you'll see people that are technically savvy that are just that just want to do it because i know that with right because that's like how accent did their other stuff before pandemic it was like geographically based but i also know that they being being in the same room together and singing there's no replacement for that so but they they are hindered by the fact that they all live in different countries, so that they're going to have to do it. Right. They're going to have to do it virtually, regardless. But when they can get together, it's by far a better experience, which I'm sure will trickle down into you know schools and different church choirs and stuff like that. Shout out to Accent AccentMusic.com. I actually don't know if that's their URL. <laughs> it should be. If it's not, then they're, they're, it's a mistake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> I wish that we did something with with Dan that was uh, did a virtual thing, but he's kind of doing his his own stuff. That the Stockbridge album came out really great. Ah, oh, thank you. What was that like to record? To record, it that? was so nice because Dan and I were like, it was like our first time away from being dads for that amount of time. Okay, I was like, I think I'm leaving for about a week and. I wonder if how good luck. that's going to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like centered around Juliana's school vacation. Cause she's a teacher. It was like, and you know, he carved out the time and it was like this, I mean, I knew it would be awesome to be like having your, my full brain back um, without even like the undercurrent of like, you know, mealtime schedule, nap, right. diaper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just like, not that that's such a, uh, I don't know, a hindering, constant nagging thought, but it's just like, it's just always there as like you have your, your balancing act of like how much your brain is, you know, is doing at, at one time. Right. And it was, it was a little bit surprising to me, like how much it really felt like my, like I, I don't know, I just was reminded of my older self or I guess younger self, my former self right. as, as the days went on, like we were on day three and it's like, it had like accumulated to being like with that, with those thoughts like pushed aside for that long it actually had like a a 
kind of a cumulative effect of like my energy was in a different place. And so my experience was like very like centered around like that newness, not just like we're making this music with, you know, and it's going in this environment, but there's that added layer of like, and for the first time, you don't have to think about for the first time, you know, in a year, you don't have to think about all this stuff. So right. it was sort of like, there was this novelty there. It was obviously like, it's always great to get into a, studio doing music that you love with people that you really love like for any amount of time but like to have a, a week to do that is a luxury anyway so right it's kind of layers of like of of that like positive of those being like positive elements of the experience were kind of all piled up and, you know dan and mark are like my best buds so yeah yeah that's awesome um i i really i really really like the way the way that it came out like it's it's awesome you can definitely feel like it definitely felt like a um like recordings that were just relaxed just they mm -hmm. just felt like relaxed recordings and i think a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that you guys were away from the kids for for an extended period of time it's just like man we can just relax and lay into these tracks and just make something that we all enjoy and we know that it's not like that big of a deal and it's just we can just kind of do do this yeah there thing. was definitely like an element of trusting ourselves like there that i think we've been more hesitant to do in the past where it's like instead of trying every version of a thing and then deciding which one we like best it right. was like something would get laid down and we'd be like yeah that sounds good and like let's move forward f like from from it and it wasn't rushed but it was it just wasn't as like um, picky yeah painstakingly thorough it was more like right. that baseline sounds pretty good it's like well then i guess we'll keep it then you know yeah. like that was more of the process more of the time or you know sometimes we would obviously stop to like really like craft some moment or you know hone some part but then it wasn't like let's hone this part and then make an alt version of it and then a third thing that was totally different just to see if and it would be like if you know, right. follow our nose if something's going well go with it and then if it feels like it's done go to the next thing. And then right. obviously we're always listening back, but it felt a little bit more like the an element of trusting our own taste along the way, instead of questioning um, whether everything that we liked in the moment was going to hold up, you know, against some other idea that we hadn't thought of yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, was, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me because every, every record that I've been involved in making with, with you guys has been like, you know, it has to be the perfect mic placement. We have to do something like four times or like it's, or, you know, maybe there's this other layer we need to put on it that maybe wasn't necessary or something like that. And this isn't just this to have negativity. it. Would you do that 10 more times? Right. And that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> just to have it. Yeah. So that kind of way of doing things. I remember having conversations about this with Dan a bunch when we were doing the, um, uh, the last, the last thing with Sam, um, oh my God, I can't remember his last name. I have to edit that part out. Do you know? <laughs> Sam, uh, you know what I'm talking no. about. I know who you're talking about, but the small talks on Saturdays. Yeah. Small talks on Saturdays. When we were doing that, it had such a different feeling, obviously because you and Mark weren't there, but, um, it was a lot of like, oh, let's just, Let's put the drums up. It wasn't like this perfect setup that you would see in like a Berkeley recording studio with like baffles around everything. And, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. like that. It was just, um, 
it, it was very much a organic way of putting something together. And if it worked, it worked and we moved on and we went with it. And, um, I really enjoyed definitely that. Recognize, recognizing like the medium that you're actually trying to make something for. Yeah. It's like, you know, we go to rec- recording school or music school or whatever, and you sort of learn the theory and technology and the know-how for, I mean, a variety of sort of purposes, but like not everything you record is going on James Taylor's next Christmas album where it's right. like, if this isn't the most pristine, yeah. hi-fi, noiseless, you know, version of the thing, then you screwed it up. Yeah, so and once you recognize not... that that actual like room sound is appealing or at least not yeah. offensive, then like you can just work faster. And like I said, you can trust that what you've captured is going to absolutely work great for what you're using it for rather than we need the most perfect dry, um, you know, pristine version of this thing just so that I can dirty it up later. It's like, yeah. Well, if it's already kind of sounding like that now, like get it and use it. Yeah. And I love the idea of letting, of letting the space, uh, not completely dictate where you're going to go, but have, but have a part in where you're going. Um, right. Not fighting against it. Like, right. use it, you know, playing into it. Yeah. Use it. Like if, if, if that's what the room is giving you, then all right, let's go with it rather than having a, um, you know, a vision and just like getting frustrated with not being with, with what the room is giving you or, or whatever. So, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, not to get too like sort of workflow philosophical here, but I think it's kind of important to, Oh, hold on one second. Sorry. We're in the middle of a really important interview here. Hey! Hi, Jesse. Hi! She, she can't hear you. He says hi. Oh, hi. It was more enthusiastic than that. Oh, it was super enthusiastic. It was like, hi! Oh, cool. Well, here we go. <laughs> oh, there he is. I'm talking to Jesse. All right, we'll be back later at the end. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I'm talking to Jesse, buddy. I need your help. out here. Look at this thing. Help me put it together. Hey, what instrument does Jesse play? What instrument does he play? You know. Drums. Yeah, drums. Oh, drums. I'm I'm honored that he knows who I am. Of course. Hi, adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. Do you want to say see you later, sucker? No. Say see you later, sucker, so, into to, to Jesse. No. No. Okay. <laughs> that would have been a great ending to the podcast. <laughs> see you later, see you suckers. later, suckers. All right, bye. There it is. Wow. How do we get back? I don't know. There, <laughs> oh, I know what I was saying. It's so funny because there's been so many moments like that over Zoom. Oh, like, all right, uh, how do we get back into this deep conversation? We have? Um, I think I can give you a good edit point right now if you want it. It's fine. I'll probably leave all that in. Okay, perfect. As I was saying, not to get too philosophical <laughs> about workflow stuff. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, leaving some room for especially if you're like pre-production stuff is not has not been in that space like leaving some room for whatever decisions are yet to be made or spontaneity or i mean improvisation sounds sort of more like a heady jazzy way more like spontaneity yeah spontaneity and like you know some looseness around some of the details so that they can actually be come to life with the space in mind like you were saying playing into it and not fighting against it like if you have everything you know perfectly crafted and like you know think you know exactly how you're going to do it and then you get into the space and it doesn't exactly feel right in there then it'll be sort of harder to to walk 
that back. So I think leaving a little bit of kind of a little bit of like sort of creative headroom for like, and what's it going to feel like once we're actually in that barn or in that, yeah. you know, in that studio um, can be super useful. When I arrange music for my choir at church, my church choir, um, I do a lot of it from home, obviously. And then there's like these times when I actually have the luxury of being in that space by myself and I'll be like nice. coming up with some piano and it's a 1840s Gothic sanctuary that holds, you know, 500 people. And it's like got beautiful acoustics and tall ceilings and everything and a really b- nice um, piano. And so when I'm there, like arranging music kind of, or like concepting ideas there, like, holy cow, is it less work? Cause I'm like, I'll play some simple sparse you know thing i'll be like that will make a great intro rather than like is there more um at home on a on my upright in my living room it's more like is there a prettier way to do this is there right. like a better way is there something that's more special feeling and then you if i'm in the space where it's actually going to happen and i'm realizing this like that's enough move on kind of like you said uh, yeah. we're talking about with the recording process like that's good sounds good move on to the next thing like that's actually working just fine you don't need to like you know beat a dead horse and try to come up with 10 versions of it to to mine out the best one if it's working and if the space is really lending itself to that then it can be you know it can be like one of the devices you use not just a platform for everything else you've done right and i find and we know if you you agree with this um or disagree but disagree (laughs) yeah that's usually how it goes um but when you're listening to a recording or any any recording i try to think of lately like what you remember about that recording when you're listening to you know your mind might work a different way because you're listening to something else but i'm trying to think of like you know the normal listener and Mm -hmm. and how they hear a song they remember the melody the lyrics and maybe like a signature you know drum fill or a signature guitar part almost they almost always don't remember how it particular particularly sounded or like the fidelity of it or whatever there's always some kind of like disconnect between the memory and how it actually sounds so mm-hmm. like i i always feel and lately i feel like it's more important to get the actual part and the notes and like an interesting an interesting part and, and yeah, it is important to make it sound good, to, to make it mixed well so it all works together. But it just kind of reinforces, for me, the fact that you can get something and be like, great, that's working, let's move on. You know, um, because that's, that's the feedback I get from nine out of ten people that ever talk to me about any song, any Carbon Lee song, anything. It's always about remembering the melody and some kind of like signature sounding part you know yeah certainly like the strongest i think i think you're right that like the strongest memories or like the strongest ideas yeah are are bound to be like musical ones as right. opposed to like sort of technical ones or sonic like you know right a, a musical choice is gonna i think outweigh the other stuff and the sonics um, is kind of how you deliver it right but I will push back just a little to say that I think sometimes it's like, <laughs> sometimes like, maybe not just sometimes, but a lot of times like the sound world that you're in or something mm-hmm. is giving somebody a feeling before anything of that's course. like actually musically, musically memorable, Yep. you know, and there are a zillion examples of it, I'm sure in your own 
kind of catalog nostalgic catalog and mine where it's like once something comes on it might sort of be almost nothing at first it's like maybe it starts with just a just drums that's not particularly signature but like a a simple layer or something but the the sound world itself is like you've obviously makes you feel a certain way partially right. because of what you attach that the memory of that song to or partially just because of how it sounds like oh i'm immediately i'm right in the car like i'm driving right because this you know the just the kind of the timbre of it just puts me right there so there is definitely yeah. like a timbral uh weight to like to like how something can make you feel but i think that yeah. you're right that the mem like the actual memorable part something you could ever relay to somebody else or like try to you know try to think of how it goes or something of course it won't be like and it's like the super lo-fi snare that's right. like <laughs> yeah you know, like, it'll be some melody or something imagine like, like imagine that, if that's, that's the world we live in <laughs> um it's the world mark lives in <laughs> markadelmusic.com <laughs> right. actually i don't know if that's his either yeah because because if you think about different periods of time like 80s music and you have synths and and all these different interesting dated sounds you know people you can like them or you can hate them or whatever but they do set like something in the 80s sounds like it was recorded in the 80s or the 70s vice versa and i feel like you know nowadays in pop music not that you know anything about this world is <laughs> is is getting back Remember, i made you promise no pop culture references I, yeah but i, I love i do love the fact that music now is is or in the last few years has been getting back to more organic players playing songs and players playing parts and finding creative way creative ways to record those parts has been has been really really cool and it's been you know it's been great for musicians because you know they're not obsolete anymore drummers aren't obsolete um you know for now but (laughs) but but it's just like it's better i find it better i like real sounding things but I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to take your word for that. In my mind, like that would be nice. I just didn't know that it was true. I just assumed that top forty. Maybe you're not talking about top forty. Not really talking like, about top forty. Okay, because it's like music. Is music just made for twelve year olds now, and it involves almost no other human beings. But <laughs> yeah, it's I like mean, my weird dystopian version that's in my head more than like based in any kind of sample set. I've been watching a lot of Disney lately. Yeah, yeah. Been, What's holding up for you? What's holding up? Watch the, I've watched The Lion King more times in the last two weeks than than I had in my entire life. Yo, I haven't literally I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Are you watching it with Ethan? Mm-hmm. Does he like it? Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm watching it. Parts? No, he doesn't really know what's going on. He just likes the colors and the animation. Right. He he really likes the songs. We watched uh Mary Poppins and he really likes the songs. Um anything music anything gold. music related is just mm. he just really likes music so i don't know where he gets it but <laughs> yeah probably jen how does it feel that oliver basically has to be a musician feels fantastic <laughs> he has no other choice he seems really on board with my plan for him so is he not like abusive yet i mean he just like anytime anyone's playing music he drops whatever he's doing grabbing like toys making them into instruments or grabbing instruments and handing them out like literally like he'll be like mommy play the trumpet and he hands her like a coffee cup and then it's like you know julian who is his cousin who's one year old uh julian plays the bass and he hands him you know like a stick and he's like and he shows him how to do it. he's like doom 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 <laughs> like he's, he's like a little music director 
baby. It's absolutely like ridiculous. That's yeah. That imagine imagine him getting like really intense about it and just like <laughs> yeah. Julian, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're dragging. <laughs> you're dragging. <laughs> keep up. Keep up. That's not my tempo. Um, <laughs> my tempo. My tempo. <laughs> it's actually very easy to imagine. I had a uh, kids are getting bossy. I had a Berkeley professor that did that to me. Said my tempo mm. in your face. Mm-hmm. He was a bass player, and uh, it was one of those times where Berkeley can make you hate music, <laughs> and uh, and it happens to everybody. I'm sure, I'm sure of this. But he just he would play this the most out bass part, like like not a single downbeat, not a mm-hmm. single root note. And just uh, really trying to fuck with me the whole time and just in, in making it almost like in trying to embarrass me in front of in front of like the rest of the ensemble, which was like yeah, was five, vibing you out. Yeah, right? which was five kids. And uh, and I stopped I stopped in the middle of what we were playing and I look at him. I go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he goes, you got to learn how to keep up. This is not how the real world real world works i was like if there's someone like you doing this to me out in the real world i'd knock them the fuck out and he kicked me out and he kicked me out of class nice and i came back not how the real world works like when's the last time you heard a music like that in the real world yeah it doesn't sound like real music like and i came back and he gave me this story about like you have you have so much potential blah 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 and i'm like don't do that to me like we're here to learn i had to remind him that we're in school like we're here to learn yeah dude had just watched whiplash like one too many times it, it was like way before that came out um but it, i mean it was exactly what it was about and and i just yeah. uh i never i never forgot i was like i don't want music to be like that for me like yep. i don't want it to feel like that i don't want anyone to ever feel like that like trying to vibe someone out because because maybe you're not on that big tour you didn't get that big tour so you have to sit in a classroom with a bunch of 20 year olds and and vibe them out i didn't i oh, it yeah. ru- a really huge culture the of way. like there's a huge culture of like intentional alienation in yeah the jazz world has plenty of it for sure whether you're in academia or on the gig and someone's like you don't know that tune oh man and i'm like you know what there's a lot of friggin songs in the world uh how about if you can't think of another song that you'd also like to play then maybe that's like a problem that you're having right not me not knowing this one that you're thinking of right now right so I was recently, I'm, I'm thinking about buying, I don't have a keyboard or a piano or anything in here. And I've been talking about this for years, but I want to get one. Mm-hmm. And piano is like the one thing I feel like is impossible for me to learn. And here's why. Because <laughs> I think I'm dyslexic. Mm. I, I look at piano music and I see the lines and I don't, I... I don't understand how someone can read four notes at the same time. And I, I get like if, if, you know, you have the chord chart above it and you can see what chord it is or whatever, but like doing that while also reading a melody, like I get, it, it makes my mind explode and I don't, I don't get it. Is there something I can do to, to help alleviate that or is it just taking it slow and and reading all the different parts and then just kind of memorizing it let me ask you something okay how much drumming have you done that was like fully notated uh drum parts fully notated yeah like a like a re like instead of like slashes with like directions it's like you know 
a, a written out drum part where you're like actually seeing like the kick on the bottom space and the snare on the third space and like the hi-hat and all that kind of like you know a, sort of like a maybe more probably the most common version of it is like theater drumming like music theater like has the most like intricate written out drum parts but you know ri- a written out drum part that has multiple you know not not just like for a snare drum but for like a kit hardly hardly ever yeah i wonder if you'd started doing that if you would maybe learn something about whether it's like the piano or the dyslexia or like harmony and like music theory that's like specific to to pitched instruments because obviously like a, a a real like drum set part that's written out and has like some intricacies in it that's like a lot to keep track of too and you have all the muscle memory and like technique yeah. like locked and loaded and i wonder if you'd be like yeah actually i can read this just fine or if you'd be like yep this is just too many note too many note heads and because it's not you know like a piano chord is your piano music is obviously tends to be more complex than written drum music because it's you know just more voices within the part or whatever right. but it might might be like kind of an interesting uh context to like to see if it felt easy or hard or i mean anything anything that i do as far as piano will will feel hard because it's like you know when you first started playing the upright bass i mean i'm sure it was a challenge um but i mean you picked it up pretty quickly but um bass is so easy just to everyone out there if you're looking to learn an instrument and you don't have a lot of time on your hands (laughs) pick up a bass yeah seriously one note at a time usually quarter notes if you're playing jazz really good bass players that stuff's not easy but you know if you agree to disagree (laughs) if you want to make money it's not it's not hard um i yeah i don't know what i'll say what i'll say to that is that drummers and drum music like written out notation is there's so many familiar patterns there's so many things that you're like, oh, I get what's happening here. And I imagine yep. that exists too with piano to a certain extent. But Right. Instead of reading as like a, a sea of like note heads as like, look at all the pieces I have to keep track of. You see it as like one big idea, like yeah. you can start to recognize bigger chunks of it. Right. And it's that's definitely what I used to tell my students more is that like you're kind of working on building your vocabulary visually. Right. So that like you recognize a chord as like a chord like if you see four notes right now as a chord you don't actually have to do the real-time analysis of like okay we got an f here and an a a c and an e flat like you you see f a c e flat and it jumps at you like like reading a word it's like you don't actually look at the letters at a certain point you look at the word um and i think that's kind of true for music notation too you start to recognize bigger and bigger pieces so that it's less to there's less of the i don't know places to get off course right so you don't have to you don't have to count up the staff to right right. i don't know how your dyslexia affects your actual reading of like letters and words and stuff but it's an analogy i use with my students where it's like if the notes are letters then that chord is a word and then that phrase is a sentence like you can even recognize short sentences at sort of like almost in an instant if they're sentences that you know come back a time and time again or like or have really familiar pieces and then you throw one weird word in a sentence like some word that doesn't come up in daily use very often mm. um and then you sort of have to like stop and look at it and then like when the next time you go back through it like you know it's coming yeah um but there's definitely some parallels there as far as like you're just going to recognize these bigger pieces the more in you the more you 
you look at them and right. not trying to sight read hard music and not going back to like get familiar with something and then yeah. you know repeat as necessary yeah it's it's been like that for me even with with drum notation like if i was in a a snare drum a concert snare drum class which which i was it was in one of them and and you have to play these intricate snare drum pieces these these um you know classical pieces and stuff but a lot of them have different um time signatures there's there's uh you know um uh modulation time modulation and stuff like that and and you have to be counting everything out in your head while you're playing because it, it can get very confusing and some people are good are really good with that stuff me man i just i will you know say there's a bar of seven or something i'll just fucking get through it and then and then notes will disappear the same thing with reading like words while i'm reading words will disappear and i'll get ahead and then i'll have to go back and and the same thing happens to me where with with drum music so i'll have to go back i'll have to memorize everything i, I try to memorize everything that if i have to read it so that i don't get into the situation where i have to sight read it um, right. It's very weird. Like actually having to track like a yeah. very specific path with your eyes right. or, or, or you, or your loss. Right. Because I know what it's doing. I know what to do. I know what the notes mean and I know everything as far as like, you know, how to, how to do it. But what'll happen is when I'm tracking, my brain will add and subtract notes mm. and, and I will end up effectively having to fake it. And, uh, Right, you're not just going to stop dead. No, <laughs> like stop cold. And like eh, no, something just went. Oh, there it is. You know, and I had we'll a, just, I had a couple of teachers. You will keep going forward, which is kind of an amazing part of the music, the the human like right. brain and like instincts and reflexes and stuff. Is like you will keep going. You will do something. Right, <laughs> like, but the, what will come out of you is is like anyone's guess. But you're not likely to just like put your hands up and go, ah, hold. That's yeah, it. Everyone, hang on. Yeah, the number of times that that happens, like even on gigs and stuff i think is like such a interesting look at human nature like the number of times i've been playing in a, uh, a church service or some outdoor gig where the wind blows something off of your stand and you catch it with one hand while somehow amazingly yep. keeping everything going with your other hand like something you no one could ever ask of you and <laughs> you, you like, would never be able to repeat it in in uh, a right. vacuum and you're like how did i manage to get through that moment and it's fight or not flight. just stop dead. It's yeah, music, it's fight or flight. You're going to fight your way out of the situation and nobody wants to be embarrassed. A compilation video of the best of those moments, like the dad, you know, like those dad saves <laughs> yeah, videos. Yeah. It's like dads catching their like toddlers by the ankle, falling off a swing and stuff. One of those for like musical moments, just for nerds to recognize like, holy shit, that almost fell apart. And then wow, did his brain kick into hyperdrive and save the day. Like, I could watch that. I think for an hour, <laughs> easy. So now, are you gonna uh, are you gonna make the decision for me whether you hire me again, or are you gonna ask um, was this something I did or something I said? Uh, do I am I good? Not not good enough. I think if if I had like a cover letter in the next couple of days, you want me to write you a cover you? letter, right? All right. Just like for general use, okay. General general purposes of ever, um, like talking to you again, even. Okay, so I and then we'll take it from there. All right, I'll submit the cover letter. Yeah. I'll try to get it done today. Um, 
Yeah. 24 hours. I don't know. Within 24 I don't hours. know if I would even know how to write a cover letter anymore. Oh, I would definitely have to Google it. Sample cover letter, then start filling in the blanks. Whenever someone asks me to do something that is like part of the real world and real jobs and stuff, I always have to like outsource how to do it. <laughs> figure yeah, it gotta out find some template like uh, i haven't updated my resume in about a hundred years and every time i do i'm like this is so painful but because i don't do it ever it's probably something that people who are like organized and competent and also just need it more often they're probably just like every couple of months they're like yep making the newest thing on top and the oldest thing and every time i do it i have to sit down for two days and like think about my entire upbringing i do it every couple of years <laughs> feels very daunting every couple of years because you're like how much should i put it in there i know it's all supposed to be on one page but you know i'm so fucking cool and awesome that all stuff has to it's gonna be like a I'm booklet like three pages of cool here yeah but like, like some of that cool is from high school and i so won't maybe i should let it go <laughs> maybe i should let it go maybe i don't need to put best buy from 2005 on there <laughs> um but did you work at best buy i did yeah what'd you do i sold cell phones and nice. and 2005 and ipods damn you're a revolutionary yeah one one thing i remember from selling ipods and mp different mp3 players before they all got squashed was uh there was this woman that came in that was asking me all these questions about the ipod and like what temperatures they could hold up to <laughs> and I'm, wow. I'm like i mean I'm sure it'll be fine. The summer doesn't get that cold. It doesn't get that hot, you know, up here. It's like, well, and she was like, um, I'm planning on climbing Mount Everest. So I want to make sure the iPod <laughs> can withstand climbing up Mount Everest. I'm like, or what I said to her, I was like, are you going to have, are you going to be able to even think about listening to an iPod or shouldn't you be focused on climbing the mountain? <laughs> it's like, lady, this isn't like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I told her, I was like, I am not qualified to answer that question. You're going to have to look that up. Cause I don't think these have been, te- 2005, I don't think these have been tested up to those heights and temperatures yet, but no. like you could be the first, just, you could be one of those pilot programs. Now that I'm thinking about it, my phone there was a really bad snowstorm in Boston and I walked and I had to walk to, uh, to work and I was walking there. I was literally the, the snow was up to my waist, the whole entire walk. Well, yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was February, 2015. Cause it was the worst snowfall in, in Boston and on record. But, um, I was walking to work and it was really fucking cold and I, took out my phone and it and it turned off so that ipod did not survive mount <laughs> did everest. Make it to the top of everest <laughs> yeah i made it what temperatures is she talking about up there did she tell you uh, no no she didn't like negative 60 like that seems that seems pretty cold i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> google it right now what yeah that seems how cold how, is mount everest how cold is it on the peak of mount Everest came up right away. Uh, let's see. Negative 60 uh, Celsius. Oh, I was gonna say, was I right on? I was definitely not thinking in terms of Celsius. Negative 76 That's... Fahrenheit. Dang. Holy, f- that iPod is useless <laughs> up there. Yeah. Oh my God. I was not expecting it to be that cold. That's really fucking cold real cold what do you even wear 
Look like a jacket, definitely. <laughs> You're definitely gonna wear a jacket, snow pants. Probably snow pants. <laughs> yeah, but like, where do you buy a jacket that can withstand? You might. I think you probably have to buy like three jackets. Yeah, but probably put on two or three. It's really cold. Um, this is this is a little branch off mini episode of Dan Dan and I's podcast idea from a, a zillion years ago of musicians talking science with absolutely no basis <laughs> of no research um, allowed or required yeah allowed let's say and someone just comes in you guys basically get in a van get over caffeinated drive around and talk about like you know basically musings on very probably easy to look up and um, yeah I mean I just found that in two or deny right. But like, you know, the jacket thing. Yeah. Like someone could just tell you that, but I, I like the idea of four people who will never and have never done anything like that. Um, really trying to get to the bottom of it without asking for help. I, I'm going to tell people with confidence that <laughs> in order to climb Mount Everest, you need to buy four jackets and you need to wear all of them. They all have to be different sizes. So you got to stagger the sizes, stagger the sizes. You got to go small industry standard stagger si- si- size, stagger. sizing, St- sizing, size staggering, size staggering. Need a better term for that. Stagger yeah. sizing. So I need to go. It, 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 it's a common term amongst all mountain climbers that stagger they, sizing. they need to stagger size. So yep. if you're a size Same with the boots, you are two pairs of boots, one normal size and one enormous pair of boots, <laughs> pair of boots that fits over your regular boots. Right. Of course. Yeah. Stagger sizing. Stagger sizing. And you got stagger size socks concept. too. Russian nesting dolls for your clothes. Right. And it'd be very, uh, very effective. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Fauci's right about this whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> about how it's a ho- wait who's fauci again it's a good one i think i think i don't really want to say what i think <laughs> you want to alienate half of your thousands of listeners yeah i i don't think i don't think we should continue to stay inside <laughs> i think it's worse than the alternative Mm-hmm. the uh the old cure is worse than the disease thing? i think so i think we reached i think we reached the point where that is true i don't think we were there before but i think that uh scientifically i looked at a few charts and i think that we're at the point where we should all just go outside again maybe maybe when it gets a little warmer that's that's like gonna be a while before it gets warmer no it's 50 degrees here yesterday dude global warming will be fun <laughs> hopefully hopefully just last past the earth last past our our kids lifetimes and then so what i'm hearing is is we accept the science of global warming and we reject the science of the disease spreading right because i mean it's warmer out right and i mm-hmm. ne- which is nice and i never which is good and the disease spreading is bad that's bad but i don't have it and haven't gotten it so i'm gonna go outside i don't see any holes in this plan i think it's i don't think it's short-sighted at all there will be people listening to this that take me dead serious Mm. and i'd like you to email jesse humphrey at gmail.com and tell me what you think that will some other jesse humphrey will receive that (laughs) sorry gmail.net gmail.org that's yours right yep all right two things why are you and Matt so good at the piano? 
who three things who's better and uh and then i want to ask you about mimi and the pod brothers but we'll you answer those first two questions because those are hot button topics <laughs> okay uh one we're not both so good only i am two i'm better what was the third one yeah you said there's a third mimi, one after mimi that. and the pod brothers oh yeah he plays piano in the <laughs> which makes no sense based on my first two answers but um we're just well i guess he just has to have something because you're so good at it you need to challenge yourself finding by playing his bass. legs yeah right exactly which right. isn't a challenge right which is not it turns out it's not hard at all so mimi and the pod brothers is pretty much a vacation for you yep it's a musical vacation musical vacation so seriously who's better <laughs> <laughs> this is a question that um do you know what this reminds me of with you asking me is high school there was like two questions that everyone would ask us that was like who's better at music or piano and um do you guys ever share a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) it was like their weird twin question line of question there's also a lot of other like random stupid twin questions um well that's that's the name of the episode hold on i gotta write that down (laughs) did you guys ever share a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got to really hang on to the end to get to it <laughs> that's what has happened the last few times uh, best twin question we've ever been asked is this is when we were very young someone said like who's older by how much and i said i'm older by like two minutes and then she goes um so if you went underwater <laughs> for two minutes held your breath and went underwater for two minutes and came back up would you guys be the same age <laughs> i mean this is a seven-year-old or something like oh i thought this was an adult that asked you this question no this was not an adult question that's a deep Um, question for a seven-year-old that's that's very and it wasn't it wasn't like there was like a lot of like let me think of it It was like immediately that's what came to mind as like the solution to her of like well let's even this out uh best way is probably underwater right and then guys will be even even steven if you ran west for two minutes that might (laughs) that might be for as fast as you could for two minutes that might make you guys the same age, but you'd have to stay wherever you ended up. I'd have to stay there, right? Because if I came back, then I'd be older again. Yeah, but if you but if you walked towards each other on the way back and met in the middle, then I think you might actually still be the same age. Right, because he would have come as far west as I went back east. So then we all end up living in like but in real Nebraska time or something. But this is assuming you can run really fast. <laughs> Right, like faster than the earth is spinning, but in the other direction Correct. or something. Correct. That's yeah. why you're running west. Musicians talking science. Yeah. Solid gold. I mean, it has to be, it has to be, it has to be true. true. <laughs> <laughs> if it happened, I mean, if it happened in, in, well, well then what about Superman? you just happened in superman remember he ran well he flew around the earth so fast to oh yeah to reverse I remember, time. Like, it was just yesterday i was watching superman he was flying around the earth real fast tom hanks was there <laughs> uh, but what if you were just trying to achieve mortality Im- immortality okay you just run west forever and never stop and you could never die i'm gonna have to change my diet before i even do that to to re- <laughs> before you before you start a run that never stops to really yeah but to really you know get myself in shape to have a chance at immortality immortality right mm-hmm. now it's as, a lot of fried food it's as mortal as it gets <laughs> um no I, I no it's just laziness 
inactive pandemic. Some people are thriving in the pandemic as far as losing weight. I am. I've gone the opposite direction. Yeah. When this pandemic started, I sort of thought this is also when everyone was like setting up their side hustles and like figuring out what they're going to do now that we can't do anything. And, um, it's just sort of seemed like there was like a category of people who were kind of like your, whether it's exercise or some new business venture or I don't know, whatever other self-improvement thing that was going on. There's like that category. And then there's like people with kids <laughs> basically was the other category in my mind where it's like, if I wanted to take on any kind of ambitious thing right now, it well, be damn near impossible. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, not that I can't do anything at all because I have a kid, but it's like, it's not about to reinvent something that I've been meaning to get to for a while. It's more like I got to problem solve this other thing kind of on a constant basis now while maintaining whatever else comes through the door. Right. I will say that having a child this uh, in 2020 made the year much better. Oh yeah. It's sick for, for people that don't have kids. That sound probably sounds absolutely crazy. Cause they're like, why the fuck would that sounds like the worst thing ever and the worst year ever, but it really, it really made a bad year. Really, really good. Um, you know, I think we're also both in, we're both in the, in the, uh, category of very young children who are you're not trying to navigate like yeah shitty online schooling that's not effective right right because that sucks (laughs) that sounds really challenging well because once you get Uh, to the point where where your kid is going off to school that time has been you have retained that time you have gotten that time back so Mm -hmm. when you lose it again it's like no i already went through that (laughs) i'm done i am done with that so Right. I can see how that would be very... And also your kid is, has now been like stripped of a bunch of privileges right. and uh, you know things they used to be able to do. And now you're trying to manage their expectations of how the world works. Yeah. Whereas like we have kids who don't know what pandemic is, right. <laughs> what it was like before, what it, like it's just getting getting a toddler through the day has its own challenges as a toddler, but one of them is not explaining to him why he can't do such and such anymore. Right. Why can't I hang out with my friends anymore? Yeah. That's got to be, I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just thinking about my, my niece and nephew and my, my nephew is eight. My niece is 14, 14, 13, 14. Um, but I mean, especially for her, it's, it's gotta be really, really difficult not seeing your friends, not going to school, not having that time away from your parents. Like, Oof, yeah, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta get away and, and, you know, make your own mistakes and start learning how to be a real, a, start learning how to be a semi-adult. I, I don't know. I guess that's too young for, for that. Yeah, thought, like, I mean, like evolutionarily, we have to like reject our parents and it's a little harder to do when you can't leave the we house. We need to become independent of, yeah. of your parents. And it happens earlier for, for some and later for others, but it's just, uh, that's gotta be so hard. I mean, it, I'm imagining myself as an eight-year-old with like video games around and stuff. I'm not going to fucking sit at a computer and, and, and talk to a teacher and listen right. and listen. Like <laughs> even if you'll sit at the computer, you're not going to listen. Who, you're not going to focus. Yeah. Who has, who has that kind of attention span? And second of all, who, what kid is going to take that information? There are, they're out there like the smart kids valedictorian. Oh, yeah. There's like some self starters or people who have like really, uh, parents that are like, in involved at every second to make sure that they're not falling behind or something. Right. But, and that's a, that's a very small subcategory. It of is students. And especially in this scenario, you have, you have to, 
you have to be that kind of person. You have to be that kind of parent because you are the teacher and you have to make sure the kid kid is, is like learning every step of the way. And that can be so fucking frustrating. It's like no one asked to be, to be a school teacher, you know, people choose that job. So <laughs> not me. <laughs> no one's ever asked to be a school. Teacher. No one's ever asked. No one's ever had a dream of being a school. No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. A kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? How many kids are saying teacher? zero yeah cowboy astronaut firefighter firefighter i mean what else is there what did you want to be when you grew up when you were little when i was little yeah uh i wanted to be i wanted to be an astronaut i used to i used to take um bottle like liter bottles of soda and it was it was when like apollo 13 came out it was when the series from the earth to the moon came out where i was like really young and and kind of in that um had that kind of imagination and i would take these coke bottles and i would set them up and and cut them so they would be like the the uh the spaceship so it would go up and then it would like fall into different pieces like pieces would fall out and i would cut them off and then and then i would have this smaller the smaller spaceship inside and then it would go up and out and i had the uh like the lunar lander that was inside the whole thing that would land on the moon and stuff so i really really got into it i loved it and then yeah that's sick. yeah it was pretty sick and i also wanted to like be in the army or like be in the fbi or some shit like that um <laughs> Something with a gun. Something with a gun. My brother wanted to be a garbage man when we were growing really? up. Really? And his like stock ants, like, you know, we were little kids and he had like the, you know, like your parents like get you to do these performative uh, tricks for their friends. Like you ask them a question that they answer a certain way each time. So they're like, Matt, what do you want to be when you grow up? A garbage man. And why? So I don't get, so I don't get fat sitting at an office all day. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my brother either had been trained wow. or thought up to say and it was like it's like pull string response to what do you want to be when you grow up wow like i want to climb on the truck and not sit at a desk i can imagine him saying like i don't know something active so i don't have to be fat like that kid <laughs> right. fat like daddy <laughs> just kidding my dad's not fat <laughs> thank you for clearing that up what did you want to be when you grew up i don't think i really had that strong feelings about it but I, I definitely at one point i wanted to be like an author an author yeah which is hilarious now because i haven't read a book in 15 years um, not even book definitely on haven't tape? written any um it's no it's bad i actually I, i've i've read a couple of books this year but it's been like if you look at my me as like a an example of someone who reads you it, it's not it's, it's not an example of that let's put it okay. that way um and definitely not somebody who's an aspiring author mm. i <laughs> or ever once was i will say that i read quite a bit more than i used to now and then i i um i write a lot i write almost every day so it's just one of those one of those things short stories journal entries no i write songs. i try to write songs um but i think you know, I'll, I'll just thoughts, thoughts. I'll, I'll do journal entries and, and, uh, there are times where I do it more than other times, but I just try to not force it. And if I have an idea, I write it down. So that seems healthy. I got a lot of, a lot of notebooks filled with random thoughts. <clears throat> so I guess I followed your dream more than you followed your, your dream. 
yeah beat you to it i guess so <laughs> and actually i um am an astronaut <laughs> <laughs> here is my spacesuit. yeah oh you've never seen my space helmet hold on are you it. eating space ice cream just because yeah i have it i get a free lifetime supply remember that being the coolest fucking thing ever going to the to the science museum to the where the space exhibit was oh i fucking loved it did they have space food you could eat yeah you could buy it in the gift shop damn mm-hmm. that's hot that's it is hot <laughs> <laughs> uh mimi and the pod brothers mm-hmm. why and when <laughs> why did the world need another band so why are you guys doing it no i mean it's you guys um it's always been something that like i've thought like all right you guys are twins you guys both play instruments why aren't you making doing this why aren't you making this a thing and playing live and um then we did and then you did and it's fucking awesome you guys are great thank you um it started because it started well, sort of like you just said, like we were you're twins, you both play music and like, isn't playing music together, like kind of like the point and we're like, yeah, but we both play piano. And so like, that doesn't really have like a great shelf life as far as a, like a set goes. Like you don't want to hear a bunch of piano duets, <laughs> like maybe one. <laughs> um, so you, know, you don't need two keyboard players in a band or whatever. And eventually, you know, it's sort of been, had been like a little running like idea. Yeah. One of us will learn another instrument at some point. We can start a band. And then, actually, I don't, I don't know if you were with us. I don't think you were. Uh, we were on, like, a little Dan Mills band trip, and we stopped at this bass shop in uh, in Mystic. Do you know Upton Bass Shop in Mystic, uh, Connecticut? Yep. It's, like, on 95 as you're driving up through there. Shout out. And shout out to Upton Bass Shop. And I, like, we went in because our, our bass player, Corey, was, like, super into this bass shop, and he's like, can we stop there? It's like on the way. And we all went in and then I bought a bass like on a whim. <laughs> it's like, I'll buy one. Um, this will be part of that idea of me learning another yeah, instrument. Upright basses aren't super cheap. So you just like went no. and bought a fucking upright bass out of nowhere. Just went and bought one. <clears throat> I did buy one of the cheaper ones for whatever that's worth. Um, but, and they don't take up like no room in your two bedroom <laughs> apartment either. They take up like one of the rooms. Yeah, takes up a lot of room as it turns out. Anyway, so I bought a bass and I was like, well, I wanted to learn another instrument. I'm not going to do it if I don't have one. So I bought bass, learned it, and then, or not, actually not exactly in that order, bought bass, we booked a gig. I needed to learn bass to play the gig and did so with uh, not a lot of time to spare and started doing this like bar gig, just like, let's just play some, you know, low stakes jazz nights at this cocktail bar. And it got super fun. We got our friend Mimi involved singing and by the time we had done it a few times, we were like, this is way fun. Let's uh, do this like as much as we want. And not just because someone else, um, hi- like basically we all get hired as side men and women and various projects. And it was kind of nice to like have that kind of project that we were the, that was sort of beholden to no one. And we we're like, we'll just do whatever songs we want for whatever kinds of gigs we want to take. And whatever. I mean, the like, versatility kind of, of it is, is incredible because you guys can play pretty much whatever you want. Right, and Mimi can sing opera and jazz and soul and um, very effectively all. And so, we, and we're as arrangers, we're like always trying to kind of like mash up different stuff and kind of make things interesting and not just like a 
museum piece of like this is early jazz and this is how we ought to play it right um so we started arranging more music for the band and kind of doing it as a little sanity project for all the otherwise somewhat scattered freelancy gigs and uh opportunities that we were all taking on anyway. I was like, and we'll have this thing that's kind of like we're all in charge of, which is fun. You know, making a band is fun. Yeah. You probably know about that already. Yeah. Um so then we just did it and it kind of grew into a bigger and bigger thing until we like put a seven piece thing together to make an album instead of a little trio for a bar gig. We're like, we should make an album of this band. And it, we'd only ever performed as like a four piece um with no drums, like you know, piano, bass, saxophone and Mimi like crammed into the corner of a bar. And then we're like, we should do a, like an album. Uh, would it just be us? Or like, I guess we should have drums for the album. Well, once we have drums, maybe we should write a couple horn parts out. So it's like a little bit more arranged, kind of big bandy feeling instead of just like this little, you know, jazz combo thing. Then like wrote out all these charts for like a three horn band. Everything ended up getting like fully arranged. And we put on this like huge concert and recorded like a live album as part of like the kind of unveiling of this <clears throat> big band version of us and then it was like well now that turns out is the funnest version of this yeah. and l- there's not a lot of times where you can fit a seven-piece band in new york somewhere but anytime we do anytime we can we try to get the group together and do something fun whether it's a recording project or a you know just to blow the roof off someone's wedding or or a concert of our own at Rockwood or whatever. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I, um, I really, I really like it. I think it's like a really cool version of what you guys could, could have potentially come up with. And it's like the right, the perfect people. And you know, you guys obviously work super well together. You and you and Matt and arranging and probably picking tunes. And then with Mimi involved, she's had such an incredible voice. So it's like, yeah it's definitely a good example of like because there's like sort of three of us as like the core members right um you know it's not like sort of one person then hiring five others it's like sort of three people who make up like a good solid core of the group who are all uh you know have a vested interest in bringing like as much of themselves and what they actually thrive at to the group so when you when we actually go put it all together it's like a decent number of people like at their capacity in the way that they want to be which I think has like a lot of value when you have an ensemble. It's not like someone's idea getting realized by a bunch of others. It's like right. the three of us have sort of this collect collective that has, um, that we've shaped into like what we all want it to be. If that, if for lack of a, uh, less corny way of saying it. And so then we're all kind of, you know, like I said, like sort of at our capacity in our sort of various lanes of that band yeah. and it, comes together in a way that's really satisfying at least for the three of us which i think you know trickles out to the rest of the band and to the audience um even further yeah that makes sense cool man well i look forward to hearing more of the stuff mimijazz.com mimijazz.com m-i-m-i jazz.com why you- shortest url we could come up with is that what the goal was but there's nothing about pod brothers in there yeah, because people can't spell pod or brothers, as it turns out. And like, is it bros? Like, abbreviated? Or is it brothers? Sort of like, you know what? It's mimijazz.com. That's what it yeah, is. There, and there it is. Cool. Well, dude, thanks for doing it. You're not as bad of, of a public speaker as you let on. So, oh, or you don't, well, thank it doesn't you. seem like you hate it. As... I think that could be the title of the episode. You're not as bad of a public speaker as you let on. Let me write that down. <laughs> um, all right, man. I will, uh, I'll catch you later. You know, hire me. (laughs) 
Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Click the stars. Write a little something. It helps out so much. Please stay tuned for the music after my talk here. Check out the website, jessehumphrey.com. You can find ways to support the podcast there. The new merch store is open, and there's new merch items there. You can always email into the podcast at afterthegigpod.com at gmail.com and as always thanks so much for listening i appreciate it very much hoping to see you all in person sometime soon but until then have a great week and i'll see you next time and so pretty that i hardly can believe i'm real see the pretty girl in the mirror there who cannot attract you Like run.